know, just kind of take it day by day. And I, that's my advice for any travel. I feel like over the years, I've kind of had to learn, see where things go, be open, mm-hmm. like have some goals or things that you want to do, but don't like be too strict on everything that you have to accomplish um, in that span of time. And yeah, just follow your heart, do what you're drawn to. Like I said, I was supposed ideally for my program, I would have been in Latin America and, you know, that probably would have been great too. But I think my experience in Ghana really changed my life. It changed like how I you know, view traveling in Africa. I traveled to six more African countries after that. I still want to go back. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just me, me, who I am really. So I think if you have a desire to do it and something's calling you to do it, just follow through on that. And yeah, you'll always benefit from it. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Brittany as the guest. I'm also excited to talk to you today because this is the first, the very first episode of 2020. So happy new year, happy January, happy MLK Day. Hope you're able to celebrate that in a restorative and justice-oriented way yesterday. And yeah, Young Gifted and Abroad is back. Welcome back to me. Welcome back to (laughs) y'all. And um, a few things real quick before I tell you about Brittany. Um, As you may or may not know, I was on a break from mid-November until last week. (laughs) So... um, If you're wondering what I did during my break, then check out the most recent 10 cents episode where I talked about episodes 41 through 50 and where I also talked about what I wanted to do during my break. Fortunately, I was indeed able to do all of those things, so (laughs) that was very nice. And um, also during my break on Christmas Eve, I put out a mashup episode That episode contains all of the intro snippets for all the episodes, 1 through 50. So if you're in the mood for a laugh, some of it's pretty deep, but a lot of it's funny too. So um, you're welcome to check that out as well. Uh, That episode is titled Intros Galore 2018 through 2019. And again, that came out on Christmas Eve. So make sure you check it out if you missed it. And what else? Oh, speaking of episodes 1 through 50, coincidentally, my cousin Kayla, who was the guest on episode 1 of this podcast, and Floor, who was the guest on episode 50 of this podcast, they each became new moms within the past week. So <laughs> congratulations to you and, and your loved ones. That's fantastic. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it's 2020, and I'm not really sure what this year will have in store, either for the show or for me personally, but hey, I'm here, y'all are here, and we're just gonna see what happens, okay? (laughs) Alright, so, back to Brittany. Brittany is currently a graduate student in Adelaide, Australia. She's originally from Atlanta, mostly, and 
Before she was a graduate student, she actually worked for, in D.C. for a number of years uh, for the EPA. Environmental studies and global public health are her passions, and after a number of years working at the EPA, she wanted to shift gears, uh, shake things up a bit, and be able to work in a way that put her in closer contact with the communities that she wanted to serve, and she thought graduate school would help her do that. So she enrolled in Carnegie Mellon for her master's in public policy. And luckily for her, Carnegie Mellon has an Adelaide campus in Adelaide, Australia. And her program allowed for her to spend her first year of graduate school at that campus. That's what she decided to do, and that's where she is now. So we mostly talked about her time in Australia, her um, decision process that led her to where she is now. Also, how her transition has been and just what it's like living in Adelaide, what it's like being a black woman in Australia in general. And of course, we also talked about Hungry Black Girl Travels, which is something that Brittany started. Um, it's an Instagram page where she documents her own travels. And um, under that same name, Hungry Black Girl Travels, is a podcast that Brittany runs where she talks about her travels as well, but also talks to other black people who are traveling internationally like she is and um, so yeah I was quite nervous I hadn't interviewed anyone since uh, September of 2019 so I was kind of nervous to be back in the swing of things but Brittany and I had a lovely conversation she is a delight to talk to and I hope that she is a delight for you all to to listen to as well and to hear what she has to say. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Brittany Pruitt. I'm good. I'm really good. Um, yeah, really excited. Thank you for reaching out. Um, yeah, I've been good. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for agreeing to be on. I really appreciate it. You're my first guest. Um, the first person I'm talking to in 2020. So shout out hey. to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got back recently, right? Weren't you in like Indonesia and the Philippines recently? Yeah. Yeah. I got back last Sunday. So like a week now. Okay. Um, we have a winter break. We're on the U.S. schedule at my school, so we had like a month and a, a week out to just do whatever, and so I decided to go to Indonesia and the Philippines, uh, which was amazing. It was definitely a good experience. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm happy I did. Instead of staying in Australia, as you know, there's been all kind of craziness here with yeah. the weather, the bushfire. So yeah, I was you know thankful not to be affected by any of that. Okay. I was going to ask about that if, like, because <laughs> from here, it's just like Australia is on fire and I don't know what's going it's, on. It's a great. <laughs> yeah, no, the the media reports and the what information has gotten out is overwhelming. So I definitely got a lot of concern messages and calls from my family and friends and everybody's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm still in Asia, y'all. But, <laughs> um, you know, it is serious. It definitely is serious in what has happened in the more southeastern part of the country. So I'm in South Australia. Um, it's like more central. And there's been um, fires and a lot of um, damage to the land here in some parts in the northern 
area of this state and then in the um one of the islands off the coast of this state kangaroo island they had some pretty massive fires Mm. um so yeah so it's definitely impacted the country across the country but not so much where i live in adelaide okay so you're safe then you're you're okay Yes, so I'm saying I haven't checked the air quality index today, but <laughs> um, otherwise, it, for my day to day activities, I'm safe and, that, and I'm thankful for that. Okay, that's good. That's good. Is it okay? We're not um, here to talk about bushfires, but I'm just oh, asking right. for my own clarification. It's summer. It's summer there, right? So is it like related to the heat that all that these fires got started? Yeah, so they they have a annual um they have annual bushfire seasons that this is like a natural occurrence, but it's exacerbated by um, the high temperatures, um, the dry nature. So there's there's been a drought going on for quite a while in that region, New South Wales and Victoria and some of the more rural areas. So it all kind of compiled together really fuels the flame, for lack of a better way to mm-hmm. explain it it's just yeah a combination of that so i mean i think as the summer goes on as it's been the weather's been changing it's been getting a little bit um more rainy and then the weather's get, gotten a little bit more humid but still pretty dry but hopefully that helps um, a bit in controlling the fires yeah well i'm glad that you're safe it's <laughs> a shame what's going on but at least you're safe you know okay so so back to the subject at hand um, your experiences, okay. your travels, and whatnot. Uh, why don't we start with you introducing yourself a bit? You know, anything that you want people to know about you uh, right off the bat. You can go ahead and say whatever you want to say. Okay. Um, so yes, my name is Brittany. I'm from Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. I grew up in um, Stone Mountain, and I'm a military brat. So I did move a bit when I was younger. Um, mostly in the U.S. on the East Coast. So I lived in New Jersey for a little while, and then um, I moved to the D.C. area, lived in Virginia, and I ended up graduating from high school there and um, continued, you know, staying there for a while. And then I went to college. And back in Atlanta, I went to Spelman College for undergrad, Mm. and I did my bachelor's in international studies, and I minored in environmental health. Um, And from that, I kind of got the travel bug during my time at Spelman. So um, that was you know, my first introduction to international travel. And I've just been going from there. Um, yeah, I like to travel, of course. I like to you know, hang out with my friends. I like to do a lot of different things in my spare time. But mainly it's traveling. Yeah. <laughs> like the last 10 years, I feel like that's been like my little kind of oasis or like my peaceful activity is like, planning trips, thinking about what I'm going to do, what activities I'm going to do. So, um, so yeah, that's a big part of my life. Um, in the D.C. area for about five years after graduating, I worked for the U.S. government. And then in the last year, I decided to go back to school. So now I'm currently living in Australia, but I'm enrolled at Carnegie Mellon University. Um, so they have a campus here in Australia where you can study for a year mm-hmm. or a semester and then go back to Pittsburgh and finish the rest of your master's. So I'm currently in the second semester of my one year in Australia. Wow. So you kind of got used to moving around a bit when you were younger and then in college is when you started traveling internationally. Um, exactly. Yeah. My first trip international, my first passport was when I was 
18, so. Yeah. Where did you go? Costa Rica. That was actually my first study abroad. Oh, cool, cool. Nice. Yeah, what was that about? So um, at Spelman, we have a um, summer exchange program. So you'll go for like the first month after school lets out to either a country where you'll do language immersion or you'll go like for a specific internship or project. Um, and so I went for the language immersion for Spanish to Costa Rica. So we spent about six weeks in um, San Jose, Costa Rica, working are studying at their school or not messes up. It's like international development and language studies. So it's like a different name in Spanish, but yeah, we were there for a month, a little over a month. And um, every weekend we would travel to different parts of the country. So it was really beautiful and it was great to do it because it was through Spelman. So it wasn't like, you know, high risk or like really stressful experience because I was going with, um, you know, other women that I had met over mm. the year. Um, my freshman year and you know was able to you know form strong bonds and relationships with and still you know experience the world with them I think that was you know the best part of it like a big group of black women in Costa Rica living our best lives (laughs) so yeah that sounds wonderful this is just like a thing for me personally I always wondered about schools like Spelman where they're like like all women's universities. I just, I don't know. I never went to an all girl school at any point in my schooling. So I didn't, I have no idea what, what that's like, but I mean, did you, did you enjoy being in that environment? I do. I honestly, I feel like I still really don't. Cause it's so like different at Spelman because it's so intertwined with Morehouse and CAU and all the, you know, other schools in Georgia and Atlanta. Like, yeah, it is, of course it's a women's college. It's very much so, you know, focused on highlighting, you know, the education, education experience for women. But I do feel like we, we get a lot of exposure to the opposite sex or to any, you know, gender. I feel like you're not as isolated as if you were in like, you know, a smaller school that's more in a rural area or just kind of like the only college where it is. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience. I think it really just changed my mindset in so many ways about you know being a woman, being a black woman in society, what I wanted out of life and the way I thought about the world really changed during my time at Spelman. It's still changing. And I think, you know, the courses that we took at Spelman having such a strong focus in the African diaspora and just always kind of tying us back to our roots and our heritage really mm-hmm. changed my view of the world and how I moved through the world. So yeah, yeah I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, it's nice you were able to go to Costa Rica, like you said, with other black women like you, you know, that must have been really, you know, as opposed to being like the only one, <laughs> which would happen yes. in a lot of similar situations. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Well, not from personal experience, but I know from many of my friends who've done programs like that. And yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that I've always had a pretty decent you know network and maybe this is probably one of the first experiences like that uh-huh. um but it doesn't really phase me anymore yeah okay and I'm curious um you know that was when you were 18 that you decided to participate in this program at Costa Rica uh, what was your like motivation for for doing that did you just want to go abroad for the first time or were you like super into studying Spanish at the time like why why did you decide to to do this program yeah, um, it, I think for me, it was more in the beginning, I was kind of like, 
always asking my family to like go on international trips like mm-hmm. growing up I remember always being like mom like we should get my passport so we could go here like you guys travel so much when you're younger so both my parents are military brats okay. um, from their own childhood so they grew up in, mostly in Europe and all over um like Puerto Rico and different places um, in the U.S. And so they had a really amazing childhood from all those travels. So I would just see pictures of them and hear their stories and be very like excited about it. But then as they got older, they didn't have a interest in traveling abroad anymore. So I just remember when I was younger, I was always asking like, can I do this exchange program? And they were like, no, (laughs) like (laughs) like, you're going to just stay in school or or we would just move around the U S so it would be kind of difficult. Um, so when I got to Spelman and I found out about opportunities like that, I was intrigued for that reason because I was like, oh, I've always been wanting to go abroad and Mm -hmm. this seems like a a better way. I was still kind of under my parents' You know, umbrella at that age, you know, they're paying for helping pay for school and, you know, still very much, you know, under their care. So I was like, oh, this is at least something that they should be okay with because it's through Spelman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was studying Spanish. I was contemplating um, minoring in Spanish, and this was a way to get two classes done oh, out okay. and out of the way in a quick span of time. So, yeah, it was definitely kind of twofold my own personal interest and desires to get abroad and then Mm -hmm. oh I can knock out two classes in five weeks like of course why not (laughs) it's just funny how like like you said they got to go to all these places when they were younger and then when you wanted to go they were just like nah but you got to do all this stuff why can't I do like y'all did when y'all were younger I don't understand Right. And now in hindsight, I understand from more conversations with them and my grandparents, they very much so um, looked at it from a different perspective because they were going to the military bases. They weren't, you know, just showing up in a random country and figuring things out on their own or going you know, with a company they were going um, or school. They were going with, you know, their job and their teams or their you know other families. Yeah. So I think there was a, a different perspective and a lot a lot more security around that than how they view viewed my travels before and how they definitely view my travels now they still think I'm crazy so they haven't gotten used to you you know being out there and traveling like you do now they I think they have but they wouldn't say it they'll still be like oh, I think I'll listen to this probably but I think they'll still be like oh um you know, that's nice, so, but when are you going to come back? <laughs> like, when are mm-hmm. you going to move home? And I'm just like, uh, you know, I think I want to keep staying abroad, like, long-term and living abroad. Like, that's kind of the conversation now, and I think they're always kind of like, oh, it's just like a phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't really think it's, you know, a part of my lifestyle or serious um, factor for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what intent with now. It's more like, oh, so, like, but you're going to move back to Atlanta after this, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. We'll see. So you're young and you want to travel now, but at some point you'll want to settle and go back to Atlanta. Is their mindset? Yeah, and okay. I get that. Yeah, they definitely, they just want everybody. Because now uh, my older brother, he used to live in Virginia, too. And now he lives back in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, we could just, you know, I'll be here. I'll safe and secure mm-hmm. <laughs> in the ATL. But, you know, I think I just have a different journey that I want to be on and ex- yeah. different experiences that I want to have. And, you know, I think it's all up in the air. It's not, nothing is 
set in stone for me, but I think for my own personal goal setting, that's not you know, in the near term goals. Yeah. I'm sure you'll figure out whatever works best for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So. Um, so, okay. So it started with Costa Rica and then from there you said you got the travel bug. So like after that trip, were you doing more city abroad programs or were you just taking international trips like for fun? You know, how did it become to this thing where you were traveling internationally, Mm -hmm. you know, so often as you as you have been? Yeah. So so the Costa Rica trip, since that was um, just the summer, I still in my major for international studies had to do a semester abroad. And so that is typically in your junior year. So I came back my sophomore year and I was like, you know, thinking about where I wanted to go. I was still doing the Spanish classes. And then I was like, I got to a point where I think I had like a, like an epiphany and was thinking like what, what kind of experience I wanted, especially like, I think from the types of classes I was taking, like philosophy classes and classes that were like making me kind of question my existence or not my existence, but more of my history and like heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of going on the you know, recommended path for my degree, which is if you're studying a language, you should go to that country and you know, or go, not that country, but go to a, a country where that's the prom, the primary language and continue language study and refine your skills and become fluent. Um, so I was, you know, between going to Latin America or going to Spain and then I decided, you know, I want to go to Africa. I want to go somewhere where I feel like I can, you know, explore this interest that I have been building and, you know, how I really felt like satisfied with from my readings, and, you know, what I was learning in school. So mm-hmm. I was doing more research and I was looking into programs in Africa. I was also doing a minor in environmental studies. I was looking at programs that kind of had that as a focus, too. So I found two programs, um, one in Tanzania and one in Ghana. Um, And so I was looking at the Tanzania program primarily because they had a focus on um, sustainability and environmental health and Mm -hmm. public health. And I thought that was really intriguing. But the Ghana program was more flexible. It was more um, like international development studies, um, sociology um, and then you could take classes at the university there and kind of, you know, do whatever you wanted. And I think I, you know, just looked at Ghana as more personally connected um, to me and my heritage right. from what I had did from, you know, the slave, transatlantic slave trade and, you know, how, you know, from what we know, most um, people arrived in the United States from West African countries. So I think that was the biggest influence. And also I remember like growing up with a lot of Ghanaians <laughs> in um, <laughs> the Virginia area. Like I remember having a lot of Ghanaian friends there just learning about Ghana um, during that time. So yeah, I, I ended up choosing Ghana for my junior fall semester um, study abroad. And I did have, you know, the same focus that I wanted with environmental studies, but I was able to take some interesting classes in like um, development studies and climate science, which I think were, yeah, at that time, definitely, like, stuff that I wanted to learn and stuff that was intriguing. So, yeah, so that was my next my next and last study abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. No, I did another exchange, but it was also to Ghana um, with a different school. But, yeah, that was my last study abroad in undergrad. Okay. So you went to Ghana twice while you were in undergrad. Yeah. So I went again in my um, 
second semester, so I still was like, I'm not going back to Spelman. <laughs> For some reason, I decided to do another exchange, um, and that was in D.C., so that wasn't too much of a stretch. I went back to D.C., um, and my parents were living there still, and I was able to enroll at American University. They have a, or they had a program called the Washington Semester. I don't know if they rebranded it or anything, but it was basically an opportunity for students from all over the country, all over the world, um, to come to D.C. and study at AU. We were kind of separate, uh, separated from the main campus. Um, they had like a separate campus at that time where we lived and we took um, very like, specific courses. So I was in the international environment and development track and that had a three-week experience in Ghana and that was in the spring. So I went back to Ghana in like March of 2013. Yeah, my junior year mm-hmm. so yeah so I was excited it was like very you know like homecoming <laughs> twice for Aww. me but um, also very different because you know, like, most of my friends had gone on like they didn't stay the whole year so um like my friends from the U.S. and then my friends in Ghana I was able to connect with some of them which was great uh, and introduce them to my new friends mm-hmm. um but yeah so that was another exchange program but it was just to D.C. for the most part and then we went back to Ghana for gotcha. three weeks okay Cool. Cool. I, I always think it's so interesting um, when I talk to black people who, you know, decided to go to, to Africa because they all have some some story about wanting to learn more about the history or, or just feel more connected to, you know, the heritage. So I'm glad that you got the chance to do that in addition to, you know, furthering your studies at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. So that was undergrad. And then you, I was looking through your Instagram and oh. you like, you like made this announcement, right? And you said you quit your job in DC to go to grad school yeah. and you'd be going <laughs> to spend a year in Australia. So what was the, <clears throat> I guess, what was the decision process for you um, deciding to go to grad school in the first place? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good question. Um, so I did. Going back to undergrad, actually, that's like the continuation of that story is I did a program when I got back. When I finished the D.C. course, I did a program at Carnegie Mellon, which is where I go to school now. Mm-hmm. Um, that summer, they had what was called the public policy or it's still a, a very active program, the Public Policy International Affairs Fellowship. So PPIA for short. And that opportunity, uh, that provides the opportunity for minority and underrepresented students to have about two months of exposure to a graduate program, taking some of the same courses you would take your first year, first semester in um, any graduate school. And so we had the opportunity to go to Princeton, Carnegie Mellon, um, University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, or um, UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And so I was selected to go to Carnegie Mellon and join their school, the Heinz um, College for Heinz College for Information Systems and Public Policy, um, which is the, co- the school that I'm currently enrolled in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, you know, from that experience, got exposure to the program, exposure to, you know, what the expectations were in graduate school, what type of things I could do research wise and um, career wise. And so that was my first little taste of it. It was um, quite a hectic and crazy summer, but I made some really good friends, um, friends I'm still close with today. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that kind of like gave me that glimpse into grad school. Um, 
you know, had me place it on my list of things to do. But even when I went back my senior year, I still kind of felt like, oh, I need to get more work experience. Even in the program, they we talk about that. We talk about, like, what's the best thing to do for you? Like, should you go on right through from undergrad or should you take some time off and get some work experience and, mm-hmm. you know, decide what you want to do more have a more clear picture of what you want to do before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to go back to work or go to work for several years after that, after finishing at Spelman that next year. Um, and I went back to work at EPA where I had interned throughout my whole college experience. Um, mm-hmm. Except for that once I was in Pittsburgh, I was going back to DC to intern at EPA every year. And I had you know some good relations there, but I decided to, you know, go back and try to see if I can get a permanent position. And I eventually did. Um, and I worked there for five years. And, you know, it was a great experience. I learned a lot about myself more so, I think, than the actual, like, agency. Sometimes I feel like I learned just more about what kind of work environment I like and what kind of um, work I actually enjoy doing and, you know, what I don't enjoy doing. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it was you know, a really amazing experience. I work with some amazing people and people from all people who have really exciting experiences. Because I'm sure, as you um, talk with people who've done Peace Corps and other things, you know, a lot of them go into the federal government afterwards. So mm-hmm. a lot of my coworkers were returned Peace Corps volunteers, and they have amazing experiences. Which kind of was just like, oh, like you guys did this amazing thing abroad, and you know, really enjoyed it. And I'm kind of like, oh, I have this little regret in the back of my head, like. Uh, I wish I had, you know, kind of stepped out of my comfort zone and took the opportunity to go abroad after school instead mm-hmm. of going into the workforce sometimes. Um, and so, yeah, all that kind of swirling in my head over the last few years in grad school, still kind of being at, you know, it's still up there. Like, and one of the things I, you know, want to do, but I wasn't necessarily sure that I needed um, to go to grad school either because I was, you know, already in a role where pretty much everybody I worked with had a master's degree and yeah. had the same job. <laughs> so I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't feel like too much pressure in regards to like needing it to get a, get a job in EPA or in the government. But I felt like I wanted to switch gears as well and move into, you know, more you know, direct service work, just interfacing with communities and being kind of on um, the front line instead of kind of sitting in the office space and mm-hmm. having just very separate from the actual work that's going on on the ground. And mm-hmm. so I think that was one of the main reasons I felt like going to school would give me, you know, just more credibility and credentials, honestly, to kind of parlay into that type of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those are kind of the thoughts that were encouraging me to go to school. And then I had this opportunity back in undergrad at Carnegie Mellon that you know, made them a good op- a good you know, option for me because, you know, they were really keen on getting students who did that program into the school. So, you know, it was also an opportunity to come to school and, through a scholarship and, you know, not have to be as concerned with an extensive amount of debt from <laughs> graduate school. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so there were a lot of factors that went into it, but mainly it was, you know, to change my career, get out of you know, the federal government for a while and get into international space um, as well as just kind of shake things up and push yourself to do something different. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long Sorry. No, no, I was just sitting here listening to you. No, I totally feel you, um, especially in terms of like, 
figuring out what type of work environment you want to be in, figuring out what type of work you want to do, that type of thing. And kudos to you for having that position and not having a master's degree. I feel like everyone in DC has a master's degree or it's like you need a master's degree (laughs) just to get a a proper, like, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a, like a, yeah, just to get like a a good job, quote unquote, whatever that means to you. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to have a master's degree. Yeah. So, but you manage that without it. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's the other, I definitely am an advocate for the internship program um, that I did and any, you know, any internship program, but I think the Pathways program, which is what I did, um, was definitely at that time, it was, you know, quite a, a good way to get your foot in the door and get, you know, diverse experiences. You know, I don't know where things are with the program. At this point in time, um, under this administration, but I think there's definitely, you know, a lot of opportunities in the federal government to kind of go through that pathway and see what opportunities you can get right out of school, right out of undergrad, mm-hmm. um, through that versus, you know, after your master's. But yeah, I think there's just so many, there's so, so many different ways to get in, um, that unfortunately not enough, um, people of color, not enough black people know about. So yeah, yeah definitely continue to be an advocate for that as well as study abroad yeah (laughs) for sure for sure the year-long like stay in australia which you're doing right now was that another selling factor for you in terms of going to doing the program that you're in with carnegie mellon or did you find out about it after you had already enrolled how did you find out about the the year-long option that's good um that's a good question because I was thinking about that recently. I think I had heard about it in my summer, that junior year summer. Like, I don't think I met anybody who had done it. Oh, you know what? I met a, a woman, a black woman who was an alum of the same program at CMU. At, she came to like a mixer that we had for the students um, to meet alum. And she had done a semester here in Adelaide. And mm-hmm. So I remember we like chatted a little bit about a ton of different things but I always remember her saying like she had done that um semester exchange in Adelaide so I only had known about that at that point and then when I was applying to schools and I was kind of like oh I know I'm applying because I want to switch gears into you know international development or you know public global health um role I was looking at programs that had that focus and um there aren't too many that offer a full year exchange um Mm -hmm. usually of course, grad school, it's usually only two years. And so doing a whole year away from the main campus isn't usually, it's not common. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, that I think conducive to such a short program. But um, yeah, so CMU is one of the few programs that actually allows you to go study in another country because they have this campus here that's like a fully functioning um, campus separate mm-hmm. from you know, seeing you main campus, people can come here and do their full degree. So we have students from all over the world who come here and wow. they don't, you know, go to Pittsburgh at all. They just do their degree here and they get the same CMU, you know, the brand name for wow. what it's worth and yeah. all, um, in Australia. And so we have a mix of students from there and from all over and a mix of students from Australia um, who are working professionals, which I think is really awesome. Um, but yeah, there weren't too many schools. I mean, some... Like, I think my other school was Columbia in New York, and mm-hmm. they have a couple of programs with schools that have international development programs like um, Sans Po in um, France. And I think 
think you can go to LSE in London, London School of Economics, um, for like a semester. But yeah, for the full year, I wasn't finding that, and I think that was a big that was a big draw for me to like get more international experience, even if it's you know Australia is not too much of a change. <laughs> Excited for me to get out of the U.S. after you know working for so long. Yeah, had you not um, been able to travel that much at all while you were working at the EPA? Like, was Australia going to Australia? Well, no, that's not true because you were you you got the whole like hungry black girl travel, so you were still going places, yeah. right? <laughs> I was going a lot of places. Yeah. I think that was the other reason why they were like, "Girl, do you want to work here?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I look back and like look at my calendars from like work, I was probably going on a trip every three months. <laughs> like wow. it was bad. Um, that sounds good. I mean, to not me. bad, but it was just like I wanted to travel a lot, and I think um, you know. I've, was frankly, I was lucky because I had interned there. I was able to accrue a lot of time off that I hadn't used. So when I first got on um, to the agency full time, I had like a ton of time off that I was like, you know, what is the point of saving this? I mean, in hindsight, I think if I had been, you know, planning to stay in that role for longer and, you know, kind of be a career fed, but I mean, I was a career employee, but I wasn't intending to like, stay for decades mm-hmm. and you know retire in my agency um or anywhere in the government so I think you know I had a different perspective on taking time off than mm-hmm. other employees and I think but you also seeing my Peace Corps employees um fellow colleagues they were also pretty big on taking time off and going on vacation so they inspired me so yeah I'm just book that ish like I think that's one of the phrases from a travel group I'm in and I use it so much because I'm like if I see a flight deal you know and I don't have any conflicts like I'm probably gonna book it and worry about consequences later so yeah mm-hmm. I travel a bit over those um those five years post-grad um before I even before I went back to work full-time I did another trip to Ghana <laughs> with one of my friends uh, before I went back to my job when we went to Ghana and um, we also went to Senegal for mm-hmm. like three weeks and then um, I also had gone to the Bahamas for one of my spring breaks but then after that it was mostly like travel with friends solo travel um, some organized group travel but yeah did a lot of travel in the last those like five years okay so going to Australia was just an extension of what you were already what you already wanted to do more of anyway yeah, I think the, the big selling point in Australia was how close it is to other countries in Asia and the Pacific region. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was more so like, oh, like Australia. I've always wanted to go to Australia for sure. But yeah. um, it wasn't like, oh, like I need to be in Australia. It was just kind of like, oh, this is a great opportunity. And I can like, you know, see a lot more of the world on this side of the world. Yeah. Leading up to it. Like, how were you feeling when you were preparing to move? I'm sure there was, like, excitement. But I don't know if you had any, like, <laughs> expectations for how Australia was going to be. Or, I don't know. what, what where, where was your mind at when you were preparing to, to move? My, honestly, my mind was all over the place. Because it was a pretty hectic move for me. Because I had to leave a bit earlier. Because I, I needed to go to Pittsburgh to take some courses prior to coming over to Australia mm-hmm. um, with a couple other classmates who I'll see when I get back. 
But um, yeah, so I was leaving my job right up until the last minute of when I needed to go to Pittsburgh. And I had to leave my apartment in Maryland, move out, say goodbye to all my friends um, in the area. And then uh, what did I do? Did I, oh, yeah, I drove to Atlanta from Maryland because I had a lot of stuff that I had accumulated over the five years that I wasn't <laughs> either. I could have parted with it, but I didn't have enough time to go through that process right right like, you know getting rid of stuff so yeah it was it was a lot I think that also impacted how I processed moving because it was quite a hectic time um leading up to it and so yeah I went to Atlanta for a little while after doing that program in Pittsburgh this summer last summer and um yeah I spent some time with my family it was like around the time of my like, grandma's birthday and like a, a couple other family things were going on so you know I think that was really good just to have that right before I made such a big move but Mm -hmm. yeah I don't think I really like fully appreciated like what was about to happen until I was here and it was like whoa I'm here like (laughs) this is big deal I guess but um yeah I wasn't too stressed out I was just kind of like moving through the motions like I I think it also comes from having moved a bit over those last few years of high school with Mm -hmm. the military I was like desensitized to moving yeah um some ways and yeah so it wasn't like super sensational in regards to like how I felt but I think the process and like packing what to bring like that was a little bit um stressful because I wasn't sure what to expect and it was quite cold when I moved here not like winter cold in the U.S. but it was cold and like I only brought one jacket like a <laughs> trench coat not a real jacket um and so yeah that kind of threw me off and now it's really hot and I'm like I probably should have just not brought as many of my own clothes and just brought clothes here hmm. um like my grandmother recommended but I did not listen to her so yeah I just have a lot of stuff here that I'm gonna eventually have to like part with here probably because mm-hmm. yeah I didn't I just underestimated the type of weather, and I'll show you. I'm thinking it's all going to be like sunny, mild, like LA weather. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it's okay. uh, roller coaster sometimes here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you moved. Was it August, September? You moved. Uh, yeah, I moved in August, like at the end of August, right before my my last birthday, my 27th birthday. So it was like the the 19th of August, I think, or something okay. like that. Yeah, because that is a lot going on at once. You you are adjusting to grad school after being out of school for a number of years. And at the same time, you're adjusting to being in Australia, which you said you hadn't been in Australia before, right? No, yeah, this is the furthest I've been south and east. Like I had been to, um, at that point, I moved to the United Arab Emirates. And that's like, you know, Middle East, Asia. That's like as far as I had gone. (laughs) So. Yeah, it's a pretty big move, a big, a long flight, longest flight I've done, but yeah. Yeah. Not too bad. Okay. I mean, like, how has it been for you so far overall, like, with everything you're, I guess, being a grad student living in Australia, how has that been for you personally? You know, it's been kind of quick and fast-paced in so many ways that I really sat and like appreciated everything that's gone on in the last year, the last semester. But, um, you know, I think the first couple weeks it was, um, difficult, like just kind of adjusting to the workload. Um, also trying to like 
be social and meet people. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I, I consider myself like an introverted extrovert. So I like try to, you know, connect with people when I travel or like I'll, you know, try and do different activities, just get a better feel for an area. So I was trying to do that in the beginning and I connected with some amazing people when I um, first moved here to like I joined a group called Sisters in Australia and New Zealand. So oh, um, shout out God. to that group. I never would have thought that there was a sisters in Australia and New Zealand group. That sounds just like the most wonderful thing to me. (laughs) Yes. I was like, I was a little surprised, but I had a feeling just that I knew there was, you know, there's a pretty decent population of people here from um, different African countries. Mm. Of course, indigenous um, community here, Aboriginal people here, Torres Strait Islanders. um, You know, there's definitely people of color, like black people specifically. here and I knew from just you know who I am and how I you know move to the world like I'm always interested in meeting more black people learning about their experience living abroad like that helps me kind of understand like can I live somewhere what what kind of things will I face so I think you know that was one of the first things I wanted to do was try and meet more black people living here so that was a good opportunity um um, and also my school we we didn't have like a big like a networking thing before we came here so there, there are a lot of students from different countries and they maybe had a group chat or something prior to coming but for me it's just me uh, and my friend Rachel uh, who's also from the U.S. so we actually didn't know each other before we came no one connected us no yeah. one told us about each other so yeah we didn't really have a chance to like connect or like befriend each other and prepare I mean of course we're friends now and that's great but yeah I think um, coming here, I was just kind of going into the unknown. So I was mm-hmm. grateful to have, you know, opportunities to build a network. And yeah, I made some amazing friends. Like we've already like traveled together and like just go out and do stuff together when I can, when I, mm-hmm. you know, can break away from studying. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been an adjustment for sure. Um, definitely a change in pace and, you know, how my lifestyle was set up when I was working professional to, a graduate student it's it's just completely different and I really have to like you know change my approach in so many ways um but yeah I'm learning still in so many ways and it's you know it's been okay yeah that's good that you've been able to to find some people that's good and I mean yeah. you're still making it through you're still you know you're <laughs> yeah. still there you're still enrolled you're still you know I know doing right? it. <laughs> let, me, let me go back <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're doing plenty of things right um I'm curious have you been I know you've obviously traveled outside of Australia have you been able to s- visit other cities in Australia yet since you've been there uh, yeah I did go to um Melbourne in September October I went in October so we had fall break from CMU and so I went to Melbourne and acted with my my friend who I made in the sisters group um Rumbi shout out to Rumbi if you listen to this <laughs> um so I went with her friend Sasha shout out to Sasha too like it's so amazing um and so we coordinated because I had already, I think I had already bought the ticket um for the trip or something and we were just talking about it and they've been living in Australia a little longer mm-hmm. um than me they're both from Zimbabwe, but met here. And um, Rumbi lives in Adelaide, and we met through the group. And then she introduced me to Sasha. And we just connected, and so we went to Melbourne, kind of like on a girls' trip um, adventure. 
it was really fun. It was so nice just to like be in a different city. And of course, Melbourne is a much bigger city, a little bit more vibrant and action packed than Adelaide. I mean, there's stuff going on in Adelaide, of course, but yeah, it's just a different, <laughs> a totally different scale. Yeah. Um, and Melbourne. And so, yeah, it was a good opportunity to see that, um, see a different city and, you know, just, get away from studies for a little <laughs> while too because that was like after midterm so yeah yeah um it was beautiful there they have a, a wide region too um the Yarra valley that we got to go out to for a day and um i used this new app called air tasker which was super convenient to like book a um you could hire a driver mm. through there people to do services for anything and so you know it was kind of a also a, another way to like learn about you know, travel styles in Australia and different yeah. little travel hacks. And, yeah, I'm excited to, like, use that and what I've learned, you know, being in Melbourne and other cities. But, yeah, that was the only city that I've been to outside of Adelaide so far. And okay. then this year, I'm going to go to um, more cities on the East Coast, like Sydney, of course, and um, yeah. Brisbane, the Gold Coast, and um, Cairns. I can't even say it probably right, <laughs> but Cairns is, like, where the Great Barrier Reef is. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, Sydney's, like, the big one that everyone knows about. Um, Adelaide, people might have heard of, but aren't familiar with. So I was just wondering where else you had been, because I'm curious as to, like, what what Adelaide is like as a city. Like, (laughs) from your experience, I mean, what type of places is Adelaide? You know what's funny? I remember when I was telling my coworkers where I was going, because they were also like, oh, you're going to Melbourne, or you're going to Sydney. And I'm like, no, I want Adelaide. And someone was like, oh, I think I've heard of that as a, it was like a name of a menu item at Outback Steakhouse. (laughs) (laughs) That is, you know, that's quite indicative of what you'll get here in Adelaide. It's like an Outback Steakhouse experience. No, 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 not at all. I literally forgot that restaurant existed until just now. Yes, me too. I, I had been to Outback Steakhouse. I remember I had a friend who worked there in high school, so I would go, but like, and my family. But yeah, I have not been there since high school. So. Yeah. So that was funny. I was like, okay, so that's what people know about Adelaide in the U.S. Got it. Um, but no, Adelaide is actually really nice. I think it think what it makes me think of is how um, it kind of reminds me of Pittsburgh in some ways in the U.S. Like it's like not a major city for a lot of people. Like people know of it, but it's not like the biggest city in the state or you know the most popular city. But you know, there's definitely a lot of value that you get from living here um, in terms of cost savings and getting more for your bang for your buck in regards to where you live, um, what you can get, and then, um, like, day-to-day stuff. You know, there's definitely a an interesting culture here and vibe. I think they also you know, kind of have a different history from the major cities in Australia in regards to um, they, at least the Australians, like, white Australians, they talk about how they're, you know, here more from migration instead of coming here as uh, previous convicts who are, or convicts who were shipped over to Australia to um, finish out their sentence here when it was a, a penal colony. And so you get kind of a sense of like, you know, Adelaideans are, you know, a little more hoity-toity or like, not, you know, they're still cool people, but I feel like there's like a different vibe. Like it's not as like urban, you know, gritty as I feel like I got in Melbourne, like it was more like a city and like urban vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, other than that, I think the other takeaway is like it's really a big student city. Like there's mm. um, several major universities here. Um, besides my school, which is super small, there's you know the Uni of South Australia, the Uni- University of Adelaide, Flinders University, all in this you know CBD, their Central Business District area. So I think what you get is like a sense of like you know an older city, but it has a, a younger energy to it because of the students and then there's um you know quite a bit of diversity and ethnicity because of all because of that and because of you know people who've come here for different reasons so yeah i think there's definitely a lot going for it mm-hmm. um but yeah i like adelaide i think it's a good city to come as a student mm-hmm. um too because of that because it's not like there's a million and one things competing for your attention yeah um, but then when there is something, it's pretty nice. Like, I'm actually, tonight, I don't know if you remember the girl group, the Veronicas. Dark black hair. Yes, they're kind of, like, around the Avril yeah. Lavigne time. I remember yeah, that. So they yeah. are Australian. And I had no idea until I moved here. But they're doing a free concert tonight in Adelaide oh, cool. and for this huge bike race. So there's a huge tour down under is what they call it, a huge bike race happening in Adelaide. And there's all these events going on. So I'm going to go to that. And, you know, there's just a lot of, like, nice it's definitely a family-friendly city too so mm-hmm. yeah i get that from adelaide but yeah but i've also met some amazing people young people who moved here for different reasons or different programs that the government has sponsored and doing really awesome things so yeah, yeah i think there's going to be a lot more coming out of adelaide over the next few years so nice yeah keep it on your radar Okay, don't sleep on Adelaide. <laughs> All right, now I work for tourism. I need a check from tourism, Adelaide, city of Adelaide right now. Oh, and the wine regions. Oh, of course, how could I not mention? They also have um, some of the most popular wine region, um, regions in Australia and in the world, the um, South Australia and like the four regions in this area are like world renowned. So mm. I think if you're a wine lover, Adelaide definitely you can look on some of your bottles of like, um, I think they're really popular for Shiraz and Chardonnay. Um, so yeah, if you see it's from Australia, it might be from South Australia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. It seems like it's got a lot going for it. Um, and as far as grad school goes, um, you mentioned earlier about, you know, when you did that program that kind of introduced you to, well, the program that you're in now at Carnegie Mellon, you know, there was discussion of, you know, is it better for you to go straight to grad school after undergrad or or to work first and then go back? As someone who did work first and then went back to school, do you feel like doing that was an advantage for you uh, in terms of, you know, your goals and just being a, a student again now? Do you feel like having that work experience first helped you in any particular way? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I definitely think so, um, especially in this program. So another thing I didn't mention, a lot of my classmates, they actually are here in a different capacity. They may be sponsored by their government at home to come to finish their degree mm-hmm. or to complete their degree here in Australia at CMU. And so they have a job um, to go back to and they've probably been working, you know, anywhere from like three to 10 years, even more than that with their agency or with their um their government so i think having had you know my experience working full-time um prior to this as well as you know being with other people who've had various work experiences i think we're able to get a lot more from each other than what i would have been able to 
contribute when I was right out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another part of me is like, maybe I wouldn't be so cynical <laughs> if I was <laughs> right out of school. Um, so that's another aspect of it. But yeah, it just comes with age as well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it just makes it a different, I think, a different experience in the classroom because we're just, uh, we're more mature. We have, you know, some people have families, they have their children here. Like, mm-hmm. they just are different. We're at a different stage in life, and I think we're able to get a little bit more from each other um, in that regard. But, yeah, I think it's really, it depends on the person. Um, for me, I, I'm glad I did just because, you know, it was good for me to get out of school and, like, experience a work environment and see, kind of like I said before, what I, what I liked and what I didn't like, what really, like, you know, held my attention mm-hmm. and, like, kept me motivated in a workspace. And then I'll, you know, when I go back into interviewing and looking at different opportunities, like I'll just be a little bit more cognizant of, you know, when those things show up and how to navigate that um, yeah. versus if I was just going from school to school to in the world and, you know, had to really experience that much. Yeah. And I think about the, the, uh, the travel I've done and that experience that I had like I couldn't have done that if I had gone mm-hmm. through school like oh yeah you know, right. yeah definitely doing it at that time in my life it, it was important and yeah that contributed to my perspective yeah but when you say cynical do you just mean like cynical about work or about life or like you're saying how oh. you might not be <laughs> as cynical if you had gone straight to school like what <laughs> oh I mean, I think not not cynical, like, like in regards to life, more so in regards to like, um, like the case studies that we may read about companies or, or governments. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have as clear of a perspective of how things work because I really wouldn't know because I had worked in an agency before, like at that level in my agency until I had the opportunity these last few years. So I think not so much cynic- cynicism <laughs> as much as it is just a critical lens mm-hmm. um when thinking about policy or thinking about anything related to, in relation to global studies yeah i just have a different viewpoint now than i think what i had when i was younger for better yeah. or worse <laughs> now you had said that you you know have been able to make friends and you found um been able to connect with other black people who are in adelaide or you know in australia or new zealand in general i'm curious about like well, because you said like Australia is not like on the whole that monumentally different than the states in a lot of ways, since it is a mostly white, still like Western country. But I'm wondering for you how your experience being black in Australia currently compares to you know your experience growing up, living you know your whole life as a black woman in America. Right. No, it's it's, it's funny because it's like. When I think about my experience growing up and like, you know, where I lived predominantly was in, you know, predominantly black areas or, um, you know, just surrounded by black people. So I think, you know, I definitely, for me, it, it's a little bit of a culture shock to be in a place that is, you know, so white. And so um, that's just how, yeah, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like I said, there, there's, it's pretty multicultural, like, you'll see people from all over the world but I mean I think yeah it's just a different a different experience I I haven't had any negative experiences I think for me it's more like the perception and like the 
the feeling like sometimes that people are like looking at me if I may be like the only black person around or mm. you know also like have like having short hair like you know not being like a conventional looking person or I don't know how to describe but I do feel like people are kind of like whoa like they get like their eyes maybe get a little bigger if I like walk past them or like walk near them so I'm mm. just kind of like oh like is that what is that? What is the meaning behind that? And I try not to like dwell in that space too long because I'll never know and it really doesn't you know, impact me. Um, but it's just something I noticed. Um, and then from talking to other black women who've lived here, you know, I just get a sense that they maybe experience the same type of microaggressions in the work environment that mm. I've experienced um, in the US. And, you know, I think those things are obviously rooted in similar things and, um, you know, that colonial racist mindset is very present mm-hmm. here as well as in the U.S. And so I think um, it's all kind of how you perceive those things, how you how you let it impact you or, you know, how you choose to address it if something is happening. Um, but I haven't had any direct experiences with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing I think about here is kind of my experience in comparison to um, indigenous Australians and um, Black um, and African people here mm-hmm. uh, who come as migrants. And, you know, I'm just always cognizant of, you know, disparities or, or mistreatments or judgments that I've, I sense towards people who are the same skin tone as me or darker and, mm-hmm. you know, Black people across the, the spectrum, like how they're treated in comparison to me as a Black American. And I you know, think about the privileges that may come with that um, mm-hmm. here in Australia and other places in the world. Um, but yeah, definitely because of their history here in Australia with um, their indigenous population. Um, I just noticed that and I, you know, think it impacts like my thoughts about living here. Yeah. Um, long as well. So, so yeah. So for me personally, I think it, it is fine living here. There's really nothing like too affronting um, racism wise. I think you just have to kind of figure out how you want to move through these spaces that are very different from what, you know, if you're like me and you grew up in, you know, predominantly black areas, you know, you just don't get the same experience at all. Like when you're interacting with people or, you know, just even dating, like, I'm just kind of like, Oh, like I'm here. Like (laughs) I should date more, but (laughs) I'm also like, Oh, I don't feel like people are like really like coming out the woodworks, like trying to talk to me or trying to date me either. So I have to like, push myself a little bit more so than what I had to do in you know my previous previous places where I've lived which mm-hmm. is fine it's just a different um, perspective on things that I have to adapt to yeah yeah as you mentioned there are black people who live in Australia but I was wondering about what your own personal perspective on it is so <clears throat> thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that with me <laughs> oh yeah no of course I, I love that question and I, I think about it a lot mm-hmm. You know, especially thinking about places uh, where I would like to live and work full time, if not back in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I kind of think of like what type of environment do I want to be in, and you know how racism, how you know microaggressions, like how they would play out in my life wherever I choose to live. So. Yeah, because you had mentioned um, uh, like earlier when we first started talking about how you know your family wants you to come back and you're more so thinking about living abroad uh long term is australia something you're seriously considering or is there somewhere else that you think would be a better fit for you in terms of living abroad long term 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I think about it, um, like, partially just because of the convenience here, and, like, you know, I think they are pretty receptive, at least, you know, from what I've heard, I haven't done a lot of um, research into the immigration process, but I think they are pretty receptive to um, people coming as, like, skilled workers um, for a different way. Like, I think it would be an easy migration process um, in comparison to other countries, so that's a selling point, but um, in regards to the long term, I don't think I could see myself kind of seeing Australia as a long-term place to settle down, uh, and partially it's because of, you know, the demographics and you know the experiences I would I know I would have here eventually if I stayed here long enough um, and trying to figure out how I would deal with that um but also because of the distance and you know I am pretty close to my family and Mm -hmm. you know want to be able to just you know get to them in a relatively convenient amount of time like it doesn't have to be you know just one flight away but I wouldn't want it to take like a day and a half (laughs) so um that's another factor so yeah when I think about that I think yeah, I definitely am more drawn to, like, Latin America, Europe, different parts of Africa, uh, especially West Africa, and East Africa. Oh, a lot of parts of Africa. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just kind of, at this point, I'm still figuring out what type of roles I like to do, what yeah. type of work, um, you know, could make that feasible, and that also plays a part into it. But, yeah, I wouldn't count Australia out, and maybe even, because they also have the... Um, working holiday visa for American oh um, okay to participate in people from a lot of different countries so um, I'm hoping to do more research and like eventually share more details that I find out about that um, mm-hmm. through my site and my Instagram but yeah I think that's a good opportunity for people who are interested in Australia to come or also New Zealand has a similar program I met um, people who've done that program so mm-hmm. yeah I think they're definitely places that or Australia would be a place I would consider maybe longer um, or in a different period for the short term. But not okay. In the gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, obviously you still have time to figure it out. I just was wondering what, <laughs> right. you're, what places you're thinking about currently. So, um, and I'm glad you mentioned your Instagram just now, cause I did want to ask about hungry black girl travels. Mm-hmm. I have to say, <laughs> When I first saw the account, like the name, I was like, oh, is she like an international foodie or something? But then I was like, oh, no, she's like hungry for like travels and experiences. I get it, you know. (laughs) Everybody tells me that. I'm like, I I actually don't take pictures of my food because I'm usually too hungry to eat and like don't take time to take a nice picture. (laughs) So, yeah, I apologize for any miss. No, no, that was just where I that was just where my mind went, but I kind of like it better that it's more so about like being hungry for experiences cuz like, I don't know. Yeah. It's not the obvious, it's not uh the obvious like option as far as like, you know, what the name means or could mean. So, um but what what was it that made you want to start that account and the and the podcast as well in the first place? Yeah, so so that kind of came up came about um after like all my travels from the time when I was working um I would just get a lot of questions and a lot of like interest in my travels but I really didn't post a lot on Instagram my personal Instagram really uh just like take pictures and just hoard them 
to myself or I don't really take a lot of pictures. So I think it was more personally for me. I was like, oh, I want to like start documenting things because I'm already feeling like I'm getting old and my memory is fading. Oh, and so it is true. I, I really like, you know, think about it. I think because I travel so much in a short span of time too, mm-hmm. a lot of things start to um, just mesh mer- together, you know? So oh, I, I found yeah. having like a, a photo documentation and kind of writing more detail about my what I've experienced and what I've done um, was also helpful to me as well as other people in my network. So it was really just for my friends mm-hmm. and like family who were interested. And, you know, if it gets bigger, that's cool. But it's more just like uh, on the side, like I'll post some stuff. I'll try to um, curate, I guess, <laughs> some information mm-hmm. um, and details and photos to share with people. Um, and yeah, so right now it's, you know, mostly the Instagram. I took a break from the podcast just as I was going through all this transitioning, mm-hmm. but, um, I have some episodes that I have recorded that I'm really excited to get out, um, over nice. the next month or so. So definitely, uh, I would say if folks want to follow and like, keep up with it, um, yeah, they'll be on Spotify and a couple of different platforms, um, okay. SoundCloud and stuff like that. And then, um, hopefully in the next couple months or month or so, I'll have, um, a website with some longer form Ooh. writings um, about my trips and about um, just some of my thoughts and my experiences traveling over the last few years. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll see where that goes. It'll all be under the same name. Yeah. Probably Black Girl Travels. There's one episode of your show you talked to someone about like her study abroad experiences. I can't remember like which episode that was. Oh, that's my best friend, Shamari. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I listened to that. I thought that was really good. And so I'm excited to see the website and how everything progresses, you know. Sounds like you've got a lot of good stuff coming. So I'm I'm excited to see it. Um, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, when we do the episode, yeah, I'll definitely shout out your page because, yeah, I love what you've been doing and, you know, just the rate you've been going. You were, like, inspiring, like, um, <laughs> kudos to you like this is awesome and like how many episodes you put out and just the content um, that you put out so crisp and clean and I really love it so yeah thank you for oh my gosh <laughs> you were so nice thank you so much that it's really true. means a lot I'm learning from you and like the work that you've done the things that you've used so yeah keep it up Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm still learning as I go, too. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll have to keep in touch, too, after this and, like, talk about podcasting tips. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, for shows. sure. I was wondering why you decided to, I mean, because Instagram is one thing that's, like, a kind of, um, I don't want to say, like, obvious, but, like, an easy thing to do if when you travel a lot to mm-hmm. want to, like, create an Instagram for it. What made you decide to go further a step further and and start a podcast as well yeah that's interesting that you asked because I think the first thing I was gonna do was the podcast and then I was like oh I guess I'll make an Instagram because that's like how people share stuff like that seems like you know the e- it was the easiest thing to do but mm-hmm. in hindsight I kind of wish I had just done you know podcasts and a website because mm-hmm. I do find Instagram just um limiting in some ways and a little like difficult when you're like writing your um the little captions and me I want to write a lot because I want to like 
be informative and then it's just like oh this is like too much getting it into the little box and doing all the spacing and, you know just a little annoying thing so mm. you know in hindsight I do feel like you know I wish I had worked more on my, my website first and then kind of posted the podcast there and all that and the reason why I picked podcast was because I wanted it to be like more of an open conversation like this like mm. you know just saying whatever comes to your mind whatever you know you feel is um, you know, what you're passionate about versus writing um, the interviews. I feel like just a little like constraining. I mm-hmm. feel like um, I prefer listening to podcasts than reading interviews <laughs> personally. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, yeah. You know, that was a big part of it as well as like for me, um, when I did the episodes by myself, I just found it easier to just like talk and say stuff, you know, off the top of my head. And yeah, I found it really like kind of liberating in a way just mm-hmm. to talk about things and yeah, it goes how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. That's true. Um. <laughs> right, okay. as, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah no, so I know okay, exactly I know. what you're talking <laughs> about. They gonna get what they gonna get. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I mentioned at the beginning, but I didn't really ask you about the recent trips you just took. You went to Indonesia and the Philippines, right? Um, yeah. Was that all by yourself? For most, no, for the most part, I was by myself, but um, around, like, after Christmas and the week of New Year's, I met up with my friend, um, who I was telling you about, I met in Adelaide, Ruby, mm-hmm. um, I met up with her and her family and friends, um, some who were in Indonesia, some in Australia, and we just spent some time together um, during that week of New Year's, so that was really good, just, mm-hmm. like, to be with a family during the holiday times, because I was, you know, originally just going to be, like, you know, solo, whatever, it's not a big deal. Because I knew I couldn't go home for Christmas this year. Or I wouldn't have wanted to, like, do all that mm-hmm. um, just for a few days. So, yeah, I was, you know, happy to have some time with them. But, yeah, for the most part, um, I was by myself. And I maybe connected with people. I did connect with people who were amazing um, throughout that time. But, yeah, we, like, did some things together. But, yeah, I was solo, dolo. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is good you got to, because I was wondering, when you when you emailed me and you said you were traveling, I was like, oh, that's cool. But then I was wondering, like, oh, if if it might be lonely not having that typical, like, family or holiday feel. I mean, some for some people, it doesn't matter, and that's fine. But I just I was mm-hmm. curious about that. So at least you did get to spend some time with, you know, in that family-type environment. Right. You don't think about how much you'll think about it or miss it really Mm -hmm. until you go through it and it wasn't so much like I was like oh no like I can't do this without my family it was just like oh it's like nice to Mm -hmm. you know be in that environment but yeah I do find solo travel like to be really restorative and peaceful when it can be (laughs) um depending on how you organize it so yeah I, I definitely I was grateful for that time as well as um the time by myself so mm-hmm. and why did you choose um Indonesia and the Philippines was it just because like it was you know Pacific countries that you could check off or was there a specific reason why you went to those places in particular right so I chose the Philippines because I've just always wanted to go to the Philippines I had a um a chance to go actually when I was working I got this crazy flight deal that a couple of my friends also got mm-hmm. for like a hundred something dollars round trip to go to the Philippines from New York. And I didn't go because I had like a work conflict, which 
ended up not being that serious. So mm-hmm. I kick myself every day when I think about it. Because, like, <laughs> you know, like I was saying, so many other times I would be like, oh, I'm just going to book something and go. And I think about it. And I did that. But then this one time I booked, like, the best deal ever. And I didn't go. <laughs> and, yeah, and those deals don't come around that often anymore. Trust mm-hmm. me. It's few and far between. So I was really hurt by that. And so Philippines has always been in the back of my mind. I have a lot of Filipino friends back home. Um, and now here at my uni, um, there's quite a bit of Filipino students. So of course, they like speak so highly of the Philippines. And, you know, I just really like think I would at that moment when I was planning, I was like, I think I would enjoy it here. Um, and I would enjoy the people, the culture, the food. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that was why I wanted to go to the Philippines mainly because uh, I thought it would be convenient. But it's actually pretty expensive to go to from Australia. Um, really? You know, either. Yeah, I think either just the time of year, being around the holidays, oh, Christmas okay. is really big there. So, uh, you know, flights were a little higher, even though I was looking pretty early. Um, but yeah, it just made more sense financially to go through Indonesia, which is also, you know, a place that I wanted to go to. But I was mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I'll let this, you know, Bali craze kind of blow over maybe and see if, <laughs> you know, I'll go at a different point in time. But it, it's not blowing over. It's never. it's like it's like dubai is probably never gonna be it's not gonna decrease in popularity in bali i guess is the same way oh yes bali (laughs) dubai maybe i don't even i can't think of where else but yeah there's places like that are just like that's the spot like everybody wants to go there and so that's fine like i don't mind Mm -hmm. traveling to popular places it was just like also i wanted to just see you know different side of indonesia so so yeah i went to bali first and then the philippines because it was cheaper to go to bali from australia there's quite a few um low budget airlines that fly Mm -hmm. to bali and fly around indonesia from australia um and then stayed in the philippines for like two weeks and then came back to indonesia for like three weeks and Mm -hmm. yeah so it was a pretty like jolty and like all over (laughs) the place trip but yeah it was good it was a good experience just to like push myself see you know more of that region and yeah yeah be open to new experiences yeah what type what kinds of stuff did you do oh man I did a lot I did a lot of tours like day trip tours around Bali to like waterfalls that are the ones you see in everybody's pictures (laughs) (laughs) um I you know I just kind of did the the main stop that you see like the swings and stuff like that and got that out of the way Mm -hmm. and I was kind of like man some stuff I wish I had just like bypassed because then I could have just hung out at the beach or at a pool like Mm -hmm. really just chilling because yeah a lot of stuff I'm like oh it's nice for the picture I guess but in regards to like the experience getting there and you know being there when it's so crowded with tourists it's not really you know peaceful and yeah, it's not the type of experience I typically enjoy when I travel. So yeah, that was another part of Bali that I had to chuck it up to the, the tourism hype. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also took a cooking class, which was really fun. I have never done that during travel. And one of my friends encouraged me to do it. Um, and I used Airbnb experiences for the first time, mm. um, which was pretty convenient. You know, probably a little more expensive than um, if I had found another company or just did it directly, I think. But it was nice to just, like, check out how they, you know, organize trips and activities on Airbnb. And, you know, I'd be open to using it again. Um, what else? 
so many things. A lot of scuba diving, a lot of, um, <laughs> well, not a lot of scuba diving, excuse me, a lot of snorkeling. And I, then I tried scuba diving, um, which was cool. I definitely, I'm kind of intrigued, but I know it's very expensive to get certification in <laughs> Australia. So I think I might have to wait till I can go back to the islands to <laughs> check out that activity to see if I want to be like a, a real diver. But yeah, it was just cool. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely like, not the best swimmer, but it doesn't really require too much um, actual swimming or, like, that being, like, a good skill. So, yeah, those kind of things, like, that I did, I was happy I got a chance to do it and yeah. push myself a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's so different. It's very different from other places I've been. Because other islands I've been have been in the Caribbean or, you know, in, um, like, off the coast of East Africa and, like, you know, just different environments. So I think being in Asia, too, was, mm-hmm. you know. An experience on its own, like being solo there, moving around, kind of being with the locals, like with the type of stuff I was doing. So yeah, it was definitely like, you know, interesting to see. And yeah, I'd like to go back to the Philippines for sure. And then Mm -hmm. to Indonesia, I like to go to different cities to just get a different perspective. Yeah. Where were you in the Philippines? Where did you go? Yes. So I started in Manila. Um, I was there for like three days and then I went to Palawan, which is um, one of the more popular um, like island areas. Um, mm-hmm. So I went to Coron and El Nido in Palawan. Um, and that's where they have all those beautiful like islands and rock formations and cl- crystal blue, like so blue water and yeah, the cool boats and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, excuse me. So I was there for about a week and um, yeah, I enjoyed that. Nice. And then I went to Cebu and Bohol, um, which is like an island off of Cebu, which they have these little, they're famous for their hill formations that they have. They're like little mound-shaped hills, and they call them the chocolate hills. Oh. <laughs> uh, when I went, the right season for them to be like fully brown, but okay. they were still like really interesting to see like how they formed mm-hmm. into the shape. Um, so yeah, so that was cool. Um did some activities like through a tour company that takes you around. So we saw like a monkey, um, a monkey, the um, Tarjir sanctuary, their primates um, mm-hmm. that are like being protected in the Philippines. And they have a sanctuary where you can see them and learn about them. And yeah, just like some tours, like, some activities or tours. And then, you know, just hanging out. I met some really cool people and we just clicked and like went to some, random barbecue at a eco <laughs> like a farm at a hostel that has a farm um so yeah just like some random things like that but yeah the philippines is cool it's definitely a cool place and people are super nice yeah well, i'm glad you had such a good time uh sounds like you did a lot um <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> glad you got sick, so much out of it <laughs> um, you know that's just the part of the i'm getting sick i feel like it's a part of any Tra- long-term travel experience uh yeah but yeah otherwise yeah i, I definitely enjoyed it o- overall there were challenges but i definitely don't regret it yeah nice nice um well i know we've been talking for a while i just have a few more questions oh, for you if that's okay <laughs> um of course i'm wondering like off the top of your head if you have any tips or advice for people who want to study abroad or who just want to travel more um, any advice you would give them? Yeah, I think the main thing was like, don't think there's no money for it because there's definitely a lot of opportunities like 
whether through your school, like through different organizations, uh, with specific scholarship programs for study abroad. So, yeah, I would say like look for opportunities to get funding for it if you can. Um, even what I learned was studying abroad was a lot cheaper than paying for a semester at Spelman in a lot of private schools. So I would keep that in mind in picking a program or picking a school, you know, maybe you'll save money that year um, by going abroad. So yeah, I think that's definitely a big takeaway. Um, what else? Just, I think being open to like new experiences and open to meeting new people and, you know, just trusting the experience, trusting the journey. Don't like, put too much pressure on yourself to like do everything or see everything, you know, just kind of take it day by day. And I, that's my advice for any travel. I feel like over the years I've kind of had to learn this myself. It's just like, see where things go, be open, mm-hmm. like have some goals or things that you want to do, but don't like be too strict on everything that you have to accomplish um, in that span of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just follow your heart, do it you're drawn to like I said I was supposed ideally for my program I would have been in Latin America and you know that probably would have been great too but I think my experience in Ghana really changed my life it changed like how I you know view traveling in Africa I traveled to six more African countries after that I still want to go back and Mm -hmm. I don't know it's just me, me who I am really so I think if you have a desire to do it and something's calling you to do it this follow through on that and you know you'll always benefit from it yeah that's really good thank you for thank you for that um oh you mentioned flight deals a couple of times is there any particular place where you find your flight deals (laughs) and nowadays since i'm in australia it's uh, different because i don't you know have the same resources so i kind of got off of the sites but i i was pretty good about finding deals on through the flight deal. Um, and then they have for different cities, like they have them in the major cities, like San Francisco, DC, um, New York and stuff through the flight deal. And then they have field deal alert for um, different airports like Charlotte. Atlanta. Um, so yeah, I would follow those or get on the newsletter for your city. Um, if you want, you know, more frequent mm-hmm. information about it, but trust me, it can also be too tempting and overwhelming so you know this yes you know, mindful of your budget and your your wallet when you are looking at these deals um i also like secret flying uh, which i follow on twitter and then skyscanner of course i think everybody well i don't know i assume but i'm sure people you know use skyscanner and google flights a lot and mm-hmm. what i like about skyscanner is they're everywhere features so if you're like indecisive or you know you could go anywhere really you just have the time off you could do it based on you know, the dates that you're available and mm. then put in from your home city to everywhere and see what comes up or, you know, you can just see what's available for the whole month or the whole, you know, the cheapest month to go to a certain locations. So I think they have some pretty good features. And I know Momondo a lot of people like, but I haven't found it too easy <laughs> to use, but I know people say they find good deals on there. Sometimes I see low fingers on there, but the, the website isn't usually like too trustworthy or one that I I would want to, you know, put my credit card info in. So yeah, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Okay. I probably won't get the actual ticket confirmation. So yeah, yeah, I've taken risks, of course, and bought 
from third-party sites, and it's been fine. But yeah, I think you just have to know that that's um, a, po- a possibility, and you won't have as much flexibility mm-hmm. with your ticket if you book on a third-party site. Mm. Okay. Oh, and student universe. That's what I use. Sorry. <laughs> like things are coming to me all over the place with that's student universe. <laughs> can use actually in australia you can use it um in the u.s i think it was cut off at 26 but in australia i think it's 30 so oh. i'm still able to use it yeah um i think if you still have the edu email just check it out see if you can get on there and then you can see sometimes they may have good deals or they may have a coupon that you can use that'll take a flight that was a little bit more expensive down in price to you know, something that be, might be better for you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those are my current recommendations. You know, things change. I'll, I'll definitely share. Nice. Those are, that's a lot of options that you just mentioned. So it gives people <laughs> yeah. a lot to think about. Right. And then other times, if you know where you want to go, it's just helpful to, like, have a bunch of different sites to, like, track on. So that's why I like Skyscanner and Google Flights, too, because you can just track and see the trends for what, that ticket is looking like mm-hmm. and then you can decide if you want to bite the bullet now or yeah. risk it and see if it'll go down so yeah I, i'm more in that camp because i'm not as like flexible anymore mm-hmm. so i have to like plan ahead and yeah it's it's a little difficult <laughs> all right and you you mentioned a couple places that you were looking to go to but do you have an idea of where you're looking to go next yeah, um, actually, so I have a summer internship, or, well, winter here, um, and I have the opportunity to stay abroad, of course, if I find an opportunity, so I'm actually looking at internships in Asia and the Pacific, so hmm. um, I actually would like to see if I can find an opportunity to, to be in one of the Pacific Islands, like um, Fiji or Vanuatu, Tonga, um, as well as... Um, I found an opportunity through my school in Palau, so I'm like, maybe I can figure out how to get over there and, you know, get a paid internship there. I'm just really open to, Mm -hmm. you know, being something different and staying abroad. And yeah, so those are kind of the areas that I'm looking to explore now just to like push myself. Um, You know, we'll see how it goes. I don't know if if I can live on an island long term. Personally, I'm kind of a city girl in my your own way but yeah I definitely think it will be nice for a couple months so yeah yeah those are my plans potentially before going back to to the burg back to Pittsburgh (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel like um Pacific Islands are not like a huge like you were talking about how like Bali and and Dubai are like places everyone goes to I feel like the Pacific Islands is, yeah. is not as hot which I don't feel like it needs to be because I feel like when stuff is like no. hot then too many people go and then it makes things unsustainable for the people that live there that's the conversation for oh, another day <laughs> oh, right and that's the kind of stuff that I would like to like work in and yeah. like sustainable tourism ecotourism right just sustainable um corporations um sustainable practices so so yeah it's definitely a interesting thing when you travel to these island countries and see it becoming mm-hmm. you know they have the issue of over tourism yeah and yeah i think besides fiji yeah everything is kind of not as um popular mm-hmm. yet uh at least to the americans the australians they out here like they, <laughs> they are out here. so I, I would definitely like caution against that like they they know what's up they they travel mm-hmm. to all these places it's like they're caribbean in that way i mean uh, not that it's okay. there all but it's just like 
the way you look at it, I think, would be like how we as Americans yeah. travel to like Jamaica and the Bahamas yeah. is like Indonesia. The proximity of it is like similar. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, good luck to you with that. I hope you are able to get to see more of the specific Pacific and yes. <laughs> maybe even do your do your internship on a um, Pacific island. I think that'd be really yes. really cool experience. So hopefully that works out. Thank yeah. you. Um, last but not least, uh, I know we mentioned it, but just so um, you can reiterate, where can people find you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to do so? Yes, yes, I would love them to do so. So um, if you all are interested in following me, you can find me at Hunger Black Girl Travels on Instagram. Um, I also have this podcast currently on SoundCloud, um, Spotify, and I think Google Podcasts. But yeah, um, just look up Hunger, Girl, Hunger Black Girl Travels where you get your podcast and it should be there. And I have about five, I have five episodes up right now. So yeah, if you want to go back and listen, give me any feedback. If you want to be a guest on the show, it's pretty broad. Um, talking about travel tips, um, trying to highlight um, black women and black men who are out in the world, um, experiencing the world in different ways, whether it be through education, businesses, um, different things of that nature. So just really looking at um, black people and travel and showing people that they can do it too in an yeah. easy and affordable way. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Like I said, I'm looking forward that's to our generation. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. No, what highlight is like also our generation, like being more transparent about doing it as a young person um, yeah. versus you know waiting until you reach some milestone in your life and now you can travel or you need to have a partner to go to certain places. Yeah. I think it's just trying to dispel um, some of the myths and right or waiting until you you've retired we, or something. Yeah, yeah. So I think. <laughs> Um, you know, from my experience in traveling, I do meet a lot of um, black people who are in a different age range and, you know, have different experiences when they travel. So mm-hmm. I definitely love, love to meet more younger black people um, who are doing the same thing and, you know, encourage people who want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the podcast and the Instagram and eventually a website. <laughs> yes. Looking forward to that. Hungry black girl travels. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, great. Great. This has been wonderful. I'm so glad that I got to, to meet you today. I know we had some, some technical issues in the beginning. <laughs> yes, Lord. We powered through. Yeah, Thank we you did. for bearing with me. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> um, thank you for being my first guest of, of 2020. Um, I was actually on, well, I think you know, I was on a break. So I was kind of nervous about getting back at it, but I think this has turned out pretty well. And I, I enjoyed talking with you. I hope you had a good time as well. I did. Yeah. No, I'm honored. This was really good. Thank you so much, Danielle. Oh, <laughs> you're very welcome. And thank you. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I hope you have a fantastic day, fantastic weekend and all that. Um, and I obviously will be in touch with you soon since it's, coming out not too long from now so you will hear from me (laughs) okay no thank you so much again for the opportunity and yeah look out for that and i'll send you the picture soon okay fantastic all right thank you so much Brittany. talk to you nice to meet you likewise it was nice to meet you too (laughs) bye see ya
All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Brittany for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast, um, pretty much all major platforms. And you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, the guest is kind of up in the air still. That conversation has not been recorded yet. Like I said, I've only been back since last week. So, <laughs> But if all goes according to plan, then the guest will be someone, an artist, who went extremely, extremely far away from home uh, to better his craft. And that's, that's all I can say for now. <laughs> so you can look forward to that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.